desert the old religions, and worship comics with better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. If there's a power outage for more than 24 hours and there's zero internet connectivity, what things are you likely going to do? Uh. Not going to record the... podcast. No, unfortunately we're not. Um, I would read. I don't know, maybe go for a walk. Avoid the um, roving gangs of scavengers. Yeah, that that will suddenly crop up in the as you know in the twenty four hours. Hey, it is possible, so I guess I, I should. You know, uh, I should it's watch not my just tone. a power outage, James. It's a powder out, power outage with zero internet connectivity. Man is one social media update away from becoming an animal. We're back to the dark ages, dude. Yeah, that's it. We're basically medieval peasants at that point. Um... No, Medieval Peasants got more days off. That's true. Yeah, but they also had to go to church way more than we do. So, yeah, I mean, but like, that's what you Yeah, there wasn't anything else to do, so it was fine. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, Nobody else could read. Yeah, well, no, barely, yeah, barely anyone could read. Um, as far as, so well, story actually, time I don't with, know. Story time with Jesus. Yeah, right? That's, uh... Oh man, that would suck. That would suck. What story time with Jesus? Well, just think about like knowing. Like I'm reading through the Bible right now. I've been reading through it for the past couple. Like I've been reading through it for almost a year, and I've made some really sorry progress. But recently, I have really picked up steam. And have you made it out of Genesis? Not, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and you did better than Adam and Eve. <laughs> nice that's good um yeah i but great stories but oh my gosh like yeah you it's a it's like for a book as old as it is it is simple but it's an incredibly advanced text like there's a lot going on in the bible at all times Some and amazing foreshadowing <laughs> yeah brilliant foreshadowing <laughs> Brilliant ideas these these men and women had, and uh, but yeah, like the idea that it would be reduced to like what I mean, what the clergy would say. Which don't get me wrong, obviously, like I would, as I've said before, I would I guess like define myself at least partially as a Catholic, and I know part of being a Catholic is like you have to kind of pay fealty to the uh, to the church. The holy men who are guided by God's hand? Supposedly. Yeah, right. And uh, Disney just faith, wants to James. tell children stories. To uh, I have faith in uh, the Lord. <laughs> I don't know if I have faith you in uh, men. How dare you, you know? believe in God? <laughs> yeah, how dare you? How dare you put God above the rest of us? <laughs> How dare you put God above us, God's chosen servants? Yeah, just it's just it's it's. I I understand why. Like I understand the utility. It's just there is nuance to it, 
but I also understand this is a touchy issue. So yeah, I just think that that's like a shame because think how many people like, I mean, were deprived of genuinely cool stories because they had, you know, it really does depend on your priest. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but say love. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what I do. I would come out with my Bible into the street and I'd start a cult. No, oh, there you go. And, uh, start preaching the good word. The Catholic like, church. Yeah. See, I told you we, it's in the book. It said, um, what would you do? Um, I'd probably read for a little bit like you would, uh, at least until it got dark out. Then at that point, it's kind of like, all right, might as well just go to bed. Uh, and in more than 24 hours, like on day two, it's kind of like, all right, have I eaten yet? Do I have water? Probably yeah. collect up some water, start planning out my survival campaign. <laughs> Is power outage, like, no gas either? Nope, I don't think so. So you have gas? I think it means no gas. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, hmm. Anything that's electric, you know? So if you got a flip switch to make it go... But your, but your stove is gas-powered, is it not? Well, I guess your gas, the gas stove is. Maybe your oven isn't. I mean, I don't know. I have an electric, electric works. stovetop. I have a gas one. Yeah, I, uh, I'd probably end up doing some grilling. <laughs> Head down to the local park. Oh, that would be fun. Or just, like, I don't know, eat things frozen until they all defrost. It is... It is kind of funny how, like, it would literally just take one, I mean, I, you, it's not one little thing, but, like, all it takes is for us to all wake up tomorrow and there to be no electricity and, like, it doesn't come back for whatever, like, what if the electricity mm. just stopped working? Like, That's it just actually a Marvel away? book they did a, in the last, like, couple of years. Is it really? Yeah, they did a Marvel special event called Marvel Dark Ages, where it's like an alternate reality thing, but, uh. The premise was that there was a cosmic being trapped in the core of the Earth called the Unmaker. And a team of select heroes went down to fight him. And he killed basically everybody but Invisible Woman. But during the fight, Doctor Strange opened a, like, portal to a pocket dimension of uh, electromagnetic pulses. Which shut down the Unmaker. But Doctor Strange died before he could close it. And it blanketed the Earth in EMP. (laughs) Constantly. No electricity. Mm. So all electricity is gone. Yeah. Um, wow. So it was the story of like, <laughs> but it just fast forwards like 10 years. It's not like the immediate, oh God, we're all dead. It's It covers the progression within the first book of like a five or six book series where okay. the heroes all stepped up, right? To like lead people and calm things down. The telepaths put out the message to the rest of the planet of like, it's okay, we're going to take care of this. And, like, kept people calm. Uh, even some of the supervillains, like, turned around and started helping out. Although, some of them didn't. Um, and what ended up happening was Wakanda, there be- there became, like, a couple, like, human capitals. And Wakanda mm-hmm. was one of them. But all the heroes basically just fled to Wakanda. And Wakanda opened its borders. It was the, like, primary human settlement on the planet. And... Spider-Man converted his web shooters to be mechanical rather than electrical, set up a web network around the city with Daredevil at the center as their defense mechanism. So Daredevil would sense the vibrations in the web and alert people. Okay. 
Man, yeah. Wakanda really comes in handy, dude. Like, their tech all failed too, but they were more in tune with nature than everyone else, so. Oh, I see. I see, okay. Yeah. And, like, uh, Iron Man turns to alchemy. Is Iron Man no magic? He's trying. Well, I guess, like, the, what is it, um, what do I want to say? I mean, the Mandarin isn't, Mandarin isn't supposed magic? to be somewhat, yeah, magical. Um, um, and then, like, but because of the, like, the no electricity, hordes of vampires and werewolves kind of rise up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, no light pollution. RJ, can I, can I ask you a question? Can I lay a sacred duty at your feet? Or no. at least plant the idea? Can I try? You can try. Alright, I'm gonna try. RJ, I... I'm sure maybe something like this exists in some way, and I have no idea how this would even be done, but I'm going to charge you just lightly um, with the idea of putting together a Marvel-like Bible. Um, like, a, like, like I'm, I mean, like, like... a Bible, but it's Marvel? Find, yeah, well, kind of, yeah. Like, find the single, there has to be one real thematic thread. Like, the, you know, the thread in the Bible, obviously, is, like, God, right? And that's, like, the whole idea of, like, that's what runs through the whole thing. There's got to be a similar thread throughout all of Marvel. You don't have something that big without there being some kind of connective tissue between those things. I can tell you what the connective tissue is. What is it? Humanity. All of Marvel's characters are just an exploration of humanity. And the concept of humanity faced with great power. Um, I see. Okay, so like the spirit of humanity. Like that. Yeah. To a degree. That's kind of been the common comparison point between Marvel and DC, right? Marvel Mm -hmm. has humans with great powers, whereas DC has great powers that are human. Does that make sense? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Like, so they do kind of balance each other out, though. They do. To a degree. Like, and that even comes in with to play the creation, right? Like, DC got the superhero thing started. They had the Justice League, and Marvel said, we need a team of superheroes if we're going to stay competitive. So what Stan Lee turned around and did with Jack Kirby was the Fantastic Four. They, knew, they saw the superhero team of Justice League and said... Yeah, we don't want to copy that. We want to have real heroes with real problems. Which is why the Fantastic Four are Marvel's first family. Because, yeah, they're superheroes. They fight Doctor Doom. They fight uh, the Mole Man. and But, like, they were also explorers and scientists and family. And you'd have the pages where the Human Torch pranks Ben Grimm. Or, and the two of them start fighting. But, like, at the end of the day, they're still family. So really genuinely emphasizing that, like, yeah, that these are just regular are people, people who happen I, to have extraordinary abilities. It's why Spider-Man, uh, like, I reread <laughs> a bunch of his early issues recently. Half the books, half of each book is dedicated to Aunt May is sick, or he's they're running low on money, or he's got girl problems. Well, and to be fair, a really smart move, right? Because those are the problems that the readership could identify with. Exactly. Right? Like, 
right? Like, especially if you're kind of a, a and, kid like Peter, you know? Well, and it flows through even into their other, like, bigger names. Like, even the most street, like, the most godlike of characters are Thor, who constantly is struggling with, is he worthy? What does it mean to be worthy? What does it mean to be a god? And compare himself to these mortals and their exploits. And is he worthy to lift his own hammer? Um, Norrin Rad, the Silver Surfer, is a cosmically empowered, weird-ass design of a dude on a surfboard. But his whole thing is the examination of life, and it's how precious life is, even as he's generally in service to a being that consumes planets. And, like, the, the Phoenix Force in Marvel is, it commonly uh, occupies Jean Grey, but even that, it's a cosmic entity, but it's a cosmic ent- entity of life and rebirth that keeps going back to this one damn woman. And, like, they had a trial one time. Phoenix, Jean Grey as Phoenix, like, killed a bunch of people in the space. And so a space council put her on trial. And it was like, hey, you committed crimes. Stay in trial for them. Okay, so people dealing with, like, regular issues, but because they are they have like, these abilities, the dramas, it's, like, heightened. And they, yeah. they kind of play out these extrapolated personal stories because of their abilities. And I think that's, the, that's what you go back to with the MCU, even, right? Of You see it in the Iron Man story across the entire first 10 years of the MCU of Tony Stark, narcissist, egoist, smartest man in any room. He never loses the ego, but he goes on a really long journey of humility and self-sacrifice. Captain America, both in comics and in the movies, it's, I'm a man out of time, but what is my position as Captain America mean to those around me, to the government, to the people we serve, to all of those things. Hawkeye is a fantastic example of being a normal-ass dude. Hawkeye's got god- Hawkeye's goddamn death. So, it really is like a, um... I think like really the the main thread or the main theme seems to be like responsibility with power and and the the questions that arise from that and so on yeah 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 <laughs> but it really Very is much so. right and like that's one of those things too is that dc spent a lot of time making gods superman uh, the, this alien savior from another planet who loves us dearly we are his adopted home but he will never he will always be among us, not of us. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, literal daughter of the gods. Batman is a god among men in being a pinnacle human. In drive, devotion, intelligence, willpower. Um, the spe- Flash, is, Flash can kill anything because infinite mass punch. They did the math on it. The Flash can reach speeds so fast he has infinite mass, and thus, if he lands a punch, destroys whatever he touches. That's hilarious. And... And terrifying. Yeah, and these are the Earth-based heroes. 
Like, does DC have street-level heroes? Yeah, it's got Batman and Lower. But literally anybody who who is a Bat family member can go off and join the Justice League and do high adventures. Well, uh, Batman is really too. I mean, it's their only series that they get any. It's their. It's the only hero they get any serious like. Fun fact: uh, DC can't of. be more than 30, 30 or thirty five percent Batman lines. Their total comic book output cannot be more than thirty five percent Batman. Why is that? So they don't like overindulge. Yep, actually, exactly that. So that they don't rely on the line, despite its popularity. That's smart. That's really smart because it could totally happen. Yep. Right. Like, um, there's way more Batman TV shows than there are Superman ones. That's for sure. Mm. Um. Hang yeah, on, for sure. Because we got ba- the Adam West Batman. Yep. Batman the Animated Series. Yep. Batman the New Adventures, which is just Batman Beyond the series. Batman uh, Beyond. We're currently at four. Or the the Brave and the Bold. Brave and the Bold five. Um, we've got um, Gotham, six. Gotham. Uh, thank you. I don't think there are any others. It feels like there's so much more. I guess it's just because he's ubiquitous in a lot of things. So that puts us at six for Batman. Mm-hmm. Superman, we have uh, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Mm-hmm. Smallville. Superman, mm-hmm. the animated series. Yep. Uh, Superman and Lois. So, that's four. I I don't know of any others. Yeah, I guess not. I guess I guess it's about. I mean, that's not equal, obviously, but that's that margin is much it's less than I thought than it was. I expected. Yeah, it's only. Yeah. And even then, the animated event, the animated we'd split. Uh, in that six count, we split Batman the animated series into two sets because there was the animated series. And there was there was mm-hmm. a continuation that was a slightly lower quality in terms of animation. And oh, by lower really? quality, I mean it was less intricate. Are you talking about Beyond or just a different part of the no, animated series? So the animated series was kind of like two series. There was Batman the animated series, and then oh, yeah. when Justice League took off, mm-hmm. or like just before Justice League took off, there was Superman the animated series. And because, and with like the timing, they continued the Batman one after a little bit of a break. But it was technically the new animated series. Is that the one where the Joker has dreads? No. Oh, there's that okay. one too. Yep, that puts us to seven. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Ultimately, my 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 point or my stands. idea. I do think it's it would be interesting. Maybe this is something we can discuss for the rework re rewrite. We can we can uh move on to recommendations or something. It, it would be interesting to see if at least with Marvel, there is a way to basically construct like a through line narrative chronologically. Oh, it's already that, been done. Well, like, but like, no, I mean, it's called Marvel's like, but a single book, like yes. a single, really. Uh, it's from the point of view of Phil Urich. I think it is. No, not Phil Urich. He's, uh, let me pull it up. Let's see. Bye. Kurt Busick and Alex Ross. Um, it was. Uh, I can't find his name. That's okay. Uh, but it follows the story of a newspaper reporter, photojournalist, 
who mm-hmm. was present for the creation of the first Human Torch. And it literally is the story of the Marvel Universe, starting with, like, the World War II heroes and going through to the, like, X-Men, like, post-X-Men. Um, with the last... Last story pages beats being... Uh... The... Uh, they do the death of Gwen Stacy, and the story concludes with a uh, kid delivering a newspaper to the reporter, and his name is Danny Ketch, a.k.a. Ghost Rider. So it's like a full... So it's not like the full history of Marvel, but it's the beginning of Marvel told through the eyes of the reporter being in all the scenes. Well, like, then we then we got the beginning. Yeah. I think I think like a full because like if the Marvel canon and there's so much and so many stories like and there were a lot of stories for the original Bible that were written that were eschewed, um, and it still undergoes periods of like you know revision or whatever. If there's a way to construct a literal, I mean Marvel already has a cosmography, but if there was a way to construct it where it has this like quasi-historic, quasi-mythic, quasi-sort of artistic or literary, um, like, cosmography in a single book. Um, That is like... dive into it for the reason. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Move on to recommend. Let's do it. Better Buddies Recommend, or we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. You want to start? Yeah, I can do it. Um, This... Oh, I feel like this will be a repeat. Feel my heart, but but I kind of want to do it because it's so good. Um, I started rewatching recently. There's a few things I started rewatching. I started, but I'll say this one: I started rewatching on and off again. Uh, Futurama. Um, you ever seen that show? I've seen some seasons. I love this show. It might be one of my favorite animated shows. Um, I think it's insanely funny. I think I it's may have very heard of it endearing. Once or twice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's it's very well written. Um, Didn't it, have one of the smartest writers' rooms on the planet. It did. They actually they created like yeah they had a bunch of people who were like um, a lot of writers' rooms are populated by like guys but they had people who had like mit degrees or something like that like a lot of people had like creative writing degrees they had science degrees yeah i mean basically yeah and like within the show they made like mathematical formulas that like actually work that are actually like functional um functional theoretics because wasn't that with the Harlem globetrotter like they did an episode on them exactly yeah were also like particle physicists or some shit yeah, they're like the smartest basketball team or whatever. They're like geniuses. Um, uh, yeah, they're all like professors or something at MIT, I think. It's it's something like that. Um, but the show is really, really funny. It's really, really well done. Um, it gets a lot of a lot of uh, kind of hate or ire thrown its way. Maybe not hate, but it gets looked down on because it's, um, you know, Matt Groening made it. So, uh, Matt Groening, of course, being the creator of The Simpsons, and he made Futurama or started making Futurama near the end of uh, the 20th century, near the end, you know, around 97, 98, because oh. the first 
the first one premieres, the first season premiered in 99, with the first episode centering around New York, New Year's of 1999, um, to a degree. And I don't know if people blame his potential involvement with that show for like a decline in work for The Simpsons. Like, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure they. I'm sure you can find. I've, I haven't seen any arguments online, but I'm sure if you look, you can definitely find them, and I can see it to a degree. But uh, I will say that um, I think Futurama honestly is worth it. The first seven seasons of The Simpsons are the best you can do with a television show, essentially, at least an animated show. Um, yeah. It's it's a masterpiece of like television. Um, and Futurama is not necessarily that level because it just, it's, it's not built to be that, but it's definitely just, it feels like a, like a guy who kind of did this really cool thing. And now he wants to do something that's just kind of fun. And it is, I think the show's fun. Yeah. Some of the jokes are lazy sometimes, but <clears throat> still excellent writing voice cast. Amazing. Um, maybe one of the best in, you know, and uh, modern it was really cartoons. Fun when, I, when I saw it, yeah, yeah, it's everyone's really talented. Um, just fun plots, the really mood. nice comfort show. The um, moon, what do you? Oh, what do you mean the moon? Like the, the uh, farms, the whalers on the moon. Oh yeah, yeah the uh, yeah the fact that the moon is like a tourist <laughs> trap. Yeah, it's like a two. Well, it's like part tourist trap, part like rural Appalachia, which is yeah. like kind of a funny, really funny idea. And yeah, just great, great ideas. Um, would recommend. I'm pretty sure I've recommended this before, but someone can maybe check me on this. Um, but I will honestly recommend this every time uh, I start to rewatch it again because I always forget how fun it is. And I'm always so refreshed uh, to find it. So please, if you haven't yet, take some time, watch Futurama. I still think one of my favorite, like, jokes that I'll see the image of every so often is they're in, like, an ancient temple uh, following the mathematical instruction carvings for the number of steps they have to take. And he says, Mm -hmm. one, we're there. (laughs) And that's because (laughs) of the formula the reading actually does equate out to one. Yeah, it's just, it's just, the show is so well done. It's so, it's so dumb. Like, he does that humor where it's just dumb, but it's so funny. Um, It's just, yeah. I think also one of the greatest things about it is uh, Santa Bot. Oh, yeah. What is, um... I don't remember what it's actually specifically called, but, like, it's just the robot Santa that is broken, so it thinks everyone is evil, and Christmas has become, like... The equivalent yeah. of uh, the purge. <laughs> yeah, basically. Where, like, everybody yeah. gets locked down and don't let Santa in. Yeah, Christmas is a day of horror because, uh, yeah. Um, yes, the, the Santa bot thinks everybody is naughty. So his prerogative or his directive is to murder everybody, <laughs> which is pretty, a pretty good idea. Um, pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great show. Calcutron. Oh yeah, the soap opera star. The robots uh, are very... honestly probably some of my favorite parts because they're yeah, just so fucking well, dumb. 
what is what is notable about the show that is somewhat different from the simpsons is that it's sort of inverse like the simpsons has especially in its early seasons i definitely said this before i'm getting like deja vu yeah the simpsons in its early seasons has like this sentimentality to it that is often sort of you know um spiced with its more like quote-unquote cynical or like edgy humor futurama is kind of the inverse where a lot of the humor takes precedence over characters though these characters still have little cores where they are like people and they're not just like mouthpieces for gags um and futurama like the again i've definitely said this before (laughs) i've seen before where like people have said like the simpsons is an example of like irish american humor where it's sense it's centering around like these kind of like drunken oafish boars who are like these good family people and kind of get into these situations through a mix of like uh, enthusiasm and stupidity. Um, whereas like Futurama is kind of like what is what people have said is like an example of like Jewish American or like Jewish humor where it's like very kind of like dark, like the future they live in is very sort of like, gruesome in its own flippant way and yeah it handles like that with a kind of like well that's what happens and and just what are you gonna do going yeah with a smile just what happens there are parts of it that are a little bit morbid but it's also sort of very um there is still a, a core of like hope and like things aren't things aren't that, you know, things aren't that bad, you know, (laughs) it's all right. You know, this is just life. Um, and both of those like working together, I think create kind of a, a beautiful, uh, diptych of, uh, of, of American animated television. And Matt Groening is very talented. Uh, I'm, I was said here that he rode on uh, the Lolita Express, but I guess we all can't be perfect. So, um, uh, and I disenchantment can't... is the third panel of the triptych that got lost in World War II, so everyone just <laughs> pretends it was a diptych. Right, I haven't seen disenchantment. Maybe I should watch it. Uh, I have four seasons. It's good. Like, is it's it good enough? Okay. But it's definitely much more of a narrative story compared to Simpsons or Futurama. Like okay. Simpsons and Futurama have narrative points, but they're not a overarching like ongoing narrative compared to disenchantment is literally a narrative like here's the queen and here's the stuff and here's the adventure because it's fantasy okay i can yeah it's like i i i think i've seen a little bit of it but i haven't seen it uh i i don't think i've seen a full episode i should give it a watch i I mean obviously i like matt groening it's definitely got some intelligent humor in it yeah. Um. One of the most recent seasons, they, uh, this isn't the best example of intelligent humor, but they pulled a Monty Python reference with the naked organ player. Okay. <laughs> so there's lots of like fantasy references and jokes like that, and like little bits that can like they're con- they have continuity because it is and similar to continuity in the way of like Simpsons and more so Futurama of like. Oh, this one minor character gets stabbed in the eyes, and fast forward to season four, and they still have both daggers in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that sounds like a very like 
Matt Groening sort of joke or gag for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Futurama I, it is. I dig it. Futurama. What about uh, you, my friend? I'm going to recommend. I have finally watched a new Ghibli film. One that is not nice. Princess Mononoke or, Tot- or Totoro or Ponyo. I watched okay. two this weekend. But the one I'm going to recommend is Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. Hey. All right. What do you think? I really enjoyed it. Okay. It was really fun. Um, It was... I honestly was a little surprised at how how much tune force there was in it. Mm -hmm. Of, like, based on what I'd seen of Ghibli's other films... I was expecting it to be a little more, not necessarily serious, but grounded. And not have quite as many of those, like, cartoony moments of, like, oh, he's in the water and it goes over the edge and he's trying to swim up the water stream. <laughs> yeah, it is it is kind of, it's it's definitely his most, it feels more like an American cartoon than any yeah. of his other ones, I will say for sure. For sure. But, like, in doing so and getting used to that was very, like... Yeah, okay. I'm cool with this. All, all the characters were super charming. Um, I was a little... I, I never really understood why the samurai was there. <laughs> like, they called him in for help, and he kind of helped. But I don't know why they needed him in the plot. They didn't. I can't recall. It's It's been a couple years since I've seen the movie, to be fair. I can't exactly like, recall. He, he's there to help them stake out. Okay. And then Oh, he... that's right. There's the guy with the sword who shows up yeah. randomly, right? Yeah. yeah and he okay. like At the end, he's kinda like, Okay. Uh yeah. Here I am. Here I was. <laughs> I I sl- I sliced down an assassin or two in the final battle, and that's it. Goodbye. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of very ghibli to a degree. I mean like uh what is it? Um it was kind of Miyazaki nice, though, did... to not be, like... Because, like, I guess with modern writing and storytelling like that, it would have been like, oh, we need to keep it tight. This character needs to have a reason for existing. If they don't mm. need to exist, condense them down into one character. And I was kind of like, no. We just have characters. People I agree. I, I like the fact that his his movies and his stories kind of live and breathe instead of, yeah, being this kind of, like, well-oiled machine i i will say i i think it's probably because he doesn't um he doesn't actually script he just does storyboards like he has it all in his yeah. head and then he storyboards it out so he doesn't really like his writing process is really just him drawing the story out which is kind of fascinating is probably why uh, those things happen because he's following a more kind of quote unquote like aesthetically intuitive feel of the story rather than something that's like yeah like plotted out Uh, also i'd be remiss if i did not shout out fujiko fujiko she's the badass woman who is like the spy oh the one that he doesn't he like her or something yeah they have a history i also really like that too of like lupin was like super suave and charming but also like very much a gentleman thief How so, like, can you explain that? Like, uh, for, for someone who might not yeah. have seen it before. So, like, he... The movie literally opens with them, like, driving down a road, and he rescues this girl in a wedding dress 
from these guys like chasing her and trying to hunt her down. But in the process, like, over the course of the movie as he gets to know her, she, he, like, does a lot of very suave talking and, like, grandstanding and defying death and having incredible luck. And, like, by all intents and purposes, he should be the, like, the kind of thief who, uh, he's very polite to plenty of people. And generally is a, a nice enough guy, but he doesn't like bad guys. And he doesn't actually want to hurt anyone with his stealing if they don't deserve it. But at the end, like, the princess is clearly infatuated with him. But there's clearly an age difference. And he's just like, like, she leans in for the kiss and he dodges and, like, kisses the top of her head or something. He's very, he's very honorable to a degree, like very boyish for sure. I also like the, uh, the gadgetry and how they had a very delicate, but good balance of here is some fantastical gadgetry and skills that he as a thief is doing, but it's not so out there that it's like James Bond. Yeah. If I do remember, it is kept like somewhat quote-unquote realistic like i think the degree. only gadget he really has that he comes into play repeatedly is his little like belt grappling hook winch which i also loved that that was mechanical <laughs> <laughs> he has to actually reel that thing in but yeah lupon the third the other one i watched was uh lapita castle in the sky oh i haven't seen that one it's got robots I'm a, like some people told me that that was a more boring one of his what? is what? that that's what I heard but to be what? fair this was like a decade or more ago when they were okay. a little bit younger so. if any Ghibli film is boring it's Totoro yeah but that's I think that's less because of the movie and more because of people's expectations that doesn't make it less boring like if, if uh, we're no, judging no, no. boring by action and like entertainment like, Totoro's entertaining enough, don't get me wrong. But, like, the Totoro narrative is two girls wander into a woods, follow a giant bear around for a while, and then go home. Yeah. At least, like, Lapita has a narrative, and it's got Mark Hamill. Oh, does it really? Yeah, he's the villain. Oh, that's amazing. And he does good on you, Mark. It. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's famous for it. Like, it's still part of it. It's still, like, in his villain phase, but it's not, like, it's not Joker. He's very, very good at, like, keeping a good, like, dialogue and voice going, and it's not just Mark Hamill. So, yeah. Lupin the Third. Castle of Cagliostro, to be specific. Uh, I've also been informed that the 2000 dub is the one that is the recommended one. Uh, it's the manga dub, one more closer to the actual dialogue compared to the 1990s. Now you know. Because uh, that's what I was told. Uh, yeah. Do we want to go to Rework Rewrite and try to figure out this Marvel Bible that you speak of? I'd love to, yeah. So, if I'm understanding what you want correctly out of a Marvel Bible, it mm-hmm. is... A collection of the Marvel main stories that 
demonstrates the running uh, river, the the through line of mm-hmm. Marvel storytelling. Yeah, it's a, and like to to really quick preface like the thing is is that um, and I because I don't I have no idea how you would do this. I just think it would be fascinating to see somebody try and do this. Because it might require rewriting, not in their core elements, but they they would need to be fit to this. Because that's the thing, right? Is the Bible is a chronological, it's a chronological work, right? It is. Starts from the beginning of time to the kind of like, and it it very quickly sketches out the seeds of what the rest of the the rest of the themes of the story will be. Like creation, man's struggle with sin, um, the relationship to like God, uh, the relationship to nature, to each other, all that stuff. Um, which really the 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 again, the ligament there is like man's relationship to God, you know, to simplify it, but that's kind of what it is. And then it becomes a historical narrative where that that theme is a driving engine, but it does weave in and out of these like historical episodes that chart simultaneously the rise of a people and like a nation and then subsequently like the developments that happened therein. So with each of those stories becoming different little Mm. episodes in the development of this people all the way going through to the sudden change where you have like the introduction, the new Testament and the complete inversion of to a degree of like an established order will still also to a degree, like paying homage to the original, like beginning of the book, um, following to an end that is sort of like sketching out, uh, what the final, day will look like where it all where it all comes to an end oh i have no idea how you would do this like because you would need to have interesting yeah like the the thing is it's like you know all the people in the bible are like related because they're all technically part of the same big family you know like so the the theme of family does hold there it's just like I don't know how you do that with Marvel because not all of it. I've got the beginning okay. and the end. So okay, and right so now you, this but, is just working through the the way the mode I'm working through right now is thinking back on all the Marvel stories, books, mm-hmm. Elseworlds titles, anything to try and figure out what would slot in to this. I think you start with Marvels, the one I was talking about okay. earlier, because it runs you through the literal beginnings of superheroes in marvel up to the death of gwen stacy basically which was kind of a turning point in marvel it was the first instance where a character died like died died uh gwen stacy's dad had died a little bit earlier but the fact that she died was a significant turning point for the book like spider-man it was one thing for Captain Stacy to die because Spidey had been fighting Doc Ock. The rubble had fallen. He didn't know. There was nothing he could have mm-hmm. done. Gwen Stacy dying is literally Spidey diving off the bridge to try and catch her and failing. 
and never knowing for sure if she was dead when she was thrown or if she died when his, her when he tried to catch her. They'll never know. Yeah, because it's the ambiguity of like did it the force of his web like stopping her snap her neck exactly. or yeah was she dead like uh, you said when she was thrown, which was really <laughs> like a turning point in the tone of Marvel. Up to that point, it'd been mostly silly. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was the, the Bronze Age. Um, or no, it was Golden mm-hmm. Age of Marvel, sorry. Followed by Silver, and then Bronze, and then Modern. Um, but Marvel's is really good because it touches on all the characters that were created at that point, right? It gives you mm-hmm. Spider-Man from the point of view of the journalist side of things. Peter Parker coming in and selling his photos. But also, hey, here's the rumors people are hearing of this dude dressed as a spider crawling around. Um, you've got the Fantastic Four and their creation and how they're uh, famous and, like, Namor coming into attack and the Fantastic Four defeating him. But it also plays with the human elements of how one day the New Yorkers are cheering on their heroes and literally the next turning their backs on them. And the main character asking, like, why are, why, why are we doing this? We cheered them yesterday. They saved us. Why are we turning our backs on them like this? Uh, It also touches on the mutants and mutant hysteria, but from the human side of things, where he gets swept up in it. Like, he straight up throws a brick at one of the X-Men because he gets swept up in this mob mentality of anti-mutant hysteria and only, like, after the fact, really, like, the mob disperses and he's still standing there, kind of going, like, oh, God. Those were kids. Um, okay. And so it's a really good, like, beginning because it's also his family story of him meeting the girl and losing the girl and getting the girl back and they start the family and they've got two kids and the his mind being on the heroes and his work as a photojournalist and trying to want a safer, better world for his two daughters and those kinds of things the ending book i think if we really want to keep this theme of family going Mm -hmm. is a return to the theme of family is fantastic four is the end now back in the late 90s early thousands marvel did a series called the end took a bunch of heroes and said what the end was what this is the end of their story uh Mm x-men the end was a final battle for where, like, a bunch of the mutants were old, and, like, Storm was paralyzed because of the lightning damaging her nervous system, and, like, they fight one last battle to protect their right to live as mutants. Wolverine's was way in the future, where the X-Men have kind of become a police force, and he's an old man, and he goes and deals with his past. The Hulk, the end, is there's a nuclear war, and Hulk is the only being left alive, but also Banner is alive because of it. By the end of the book, Banner dies. And Hulk, like, Banner straight up just dies. Hulk is the only one left. And the last words are, Hulk is strongest one there is. Hulk is cold. Because Hulk finally realizes, like, in being the last one, he doesn't actually want it. But the reason I picked Fantastic Fours is because mm-hmm. Fa- Fantastic Fours' story of the end is it's a future sci-fi. It's like, this is what the world should be given Mr. Fantastic's technology and his brilliance and science, mm-hmm. uh, his scientific acumen. Uh, at one point in the story, there's literally a think tank of intelligent heroes, and it's 
Ant-Man and Spider-Man and Mr. Fantastic and, like, all these heroes that, like, are geniuses that should be using their scientific genius to change the world. And, like, they are. Because they don't have to fight crime anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the ultimate end, the, the Fantastic Four, the end, begins with the Fantastic Four having been split <clears throat> up because they were fighting one of their last battles against Doom and he Doom vanished. And there was a crater, but their kids were in the crater. Like, the, their kids vanished with him. And they thought that their kids were vaporized. Only to fast forward to the end, turns out they brought Doom and their kids forward in time to finally be able to defeat Doom. So they thought their kids died. They didn't. They defeat Doom. They save them. Like, they reunite with their family. And it's the ultimate, like, hey, here is the Marvel Universe with the hope and optimism that it should have. As they look to the future of this, like, practical utopia. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, there is potential here. And, like, at that point, like, Spider-Man has a kid, and Ant-Man and the Wasp have a kid, and somebody else has a kid. Like, there's, like, three bug-themed heroes that Mm -hmm. are these, like, kids trying to be what their parents were, and their parents are like, oh, that's cute. You think you're you're heroes. That, like, I do think... Because the obviously the interesting thing about the Bible, right, is that it traces lineages of like hundreds of years, and obviously there's like the stuff in there that's like, oh, all these people live to be eight hundred years old, and then these people live to be seven hundred, and blah blah blah. Yeah. Like, I'm not necessarily reading it literally. The idea that you'd have a Marvel style Bible that literally just traces the life of that occurs in one lifetime. Well, and and, that's the that's the problem though is you can't really trace hundreds of years. Yeah, no, uh, I like that though. Like, I I okay. like the the idea of Marvel. Like, and I liked the idea too of um, you know, especially Spider Man because I think he is like the prototypical superhero. Um, like the true kind of one might even almost say a David esque figure um, to a degree. Yeah. Uh, of like, um, just a sort of like kid who, who, yeah, like accidentally stumbles into something great and must now like shoulder the burden. Um, and, uh, it's actually really funny. I'm reading, um, I'm, I'm reading like, uh, uh, one of the books now and um the relationship between yeah it's too, it, it's a little too complex to come <laughs> explain but it, it's kind of similar to Gee, like thanks for bringing it up so okay so like the relationship between like uh saul the first saul is the first king of israel yeah um jonathan is his son and then david is the is the kid who ends up killing goliath Saul gets jealous because David is like lauded as this big hero. And Saul was initially thought to be like super hot to trot when he was first made king. But a year into his reign, he kind of fucked it up and like and people started looking like elsewhere. And his son Jonathan is kind of caught in the middle because um, he wants to like please his dad and he's like in line for the throne. 
But the problem is, is that he's kind of like disappointed his dad on like a number of levels. And he's a good friends with like David and like makes promises to like help him and like be like his best friend um, and helps David kind of like out when Saul is like looking to basically find him and kill him. And it's kind of reminding me of a sort of a sort of um, um, kind of from my impression of it, uh, a what am I fucking thinking of? Like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man um movies like just a little bit with the relationship between like willem dafoe um james franco and toby aguirre right where like james franco is like super good friends with uh you know um why am i forgetting his name harry osborne is good friends with like peter parker and um he knows his like dad is like norman on the face like likes peter but there's like a weird tension between them and obviously like on you know the inside he wants like peter dead uh to a degree um like harry's kind of torn blah 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 anyway long story short there are like some parallels i do think it's interesting the idea of doing it from spider-man because you have like the introduction of the whole like he is the seed of the great power is great like like with great power comes great responsibility and he's sort of like he fails like majorly as far as i'm aware twice right like he fails to protect uncle ben and he fails to save gwen stacy um uncle ben is kind of like out of his control to a degree um like that's part hubris uh so there's like that's like on the the fascinating thing you or the, one of the interesting things you bring up of like him being the center point of the responsibility in mm-hmm. Marvel is multiple writers multiple instances have said like Spider-Man turns out to be the best of them like Captain America at like two or three different points has said like Spider-Man will be the best of us in the history books like they will know him as the best of us um mephisto mephisto the like basically the marvel's devil has messed with spider-man a little bit specifically because there's been like times where he's tried to plot it to like take over but in his plans and like seeing to the future the hero that defeats him is (laughs) spider-man um and like which is why like mephisto fucked with spider-man's marriage to mary jane was because he was trying to like keep spider-man from fucking him over (laughs) <laughs> um there was one like offshoot story like dream sequence but was it really where spider-man gets abducted by aliens and shown that there is a green lantern core-esque group of spider people that have just taken up his colors and ideals of doing like great power and great responsibility oh man that's funny <laughs> so he is kind of the um he is sort of a central figure then for yeah. sure uh, there is, there is it... no more central figure to marvel i would argue uh even in the even in like the marvel zombies story like yeah he becomes a zombie and he eats mary jane and aunt may but he's mm-hmm. the only one to really like he still carries his regrets the <laughs> hunger overwhelms him and he can't stop himself but mm-hmm. he regrets it afterwards and is the only one to continue wearing his mask because he's ashamed of his own face. 
So in Marvel Zombies, are they like aware that they're zombies then? Yep. Fascinating. And that's one of the that's big differences between the what if animated episode and the actual book. In the what if animated episode, they're just zombies, right? They're just okay. zombies. In the book, they retain their intelligence. So, but the hunger is so overwhelming that they literally cannot help themselves. And they can wow. only think clearly once they're sated. And then the hunger, like, after they eat, they regain their, like, awareness. And then the hunger slowly returns to the point where they have to eat again. So, That's like, interesting. when the Avengers get infected, they go home and eat Jarvis, their loyal butler. <laughs> and one of the, like, one of the worst things about it is, like, they straight up have the dialogue where, like, yeah, we... We ate, like, we all lost somebody Spider-Man. The Avengers went home and ate Jarvis. And the worst part is he didn't really fight it. Oh, that's very sad. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, they all retain their intelligence and, like, awareness to the point that, like, at the end... But they also find out, like, after destroying the universe, oh, if we just go long enough without eating, we stop being hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't a group that of like, the... yeah a group of like six or seven of them get the power cosmic eat galactus become have his power go throughout the galaxy eating planets and like literally there's nothing left by the time they're getting close to earth and spider-man points out like hey are you guys actually hungry because i'm not hungry and they get back I'm to just... earth and they're like oh fuck we're not hungry we don't have to eat anyone <laughs> what have i done <laughs> and then they no, but there is like a fight amongst themselves um because there were a couple zombies there were th three zombies left on earth two of them disembodied heads and one of them black panther got turned into a zombie after surviving the initial outbreak because his like little band of survivors one of them tried to assassinate him so zombified wasp bites him to turn him and keep him from dying but, like, they also realize, too, they're like, oh, if we don't eat for long enough, we're not hungry. So the Black Panther basically just, like, shuts himself off and waits until he's not hungry. And then there's a fight, and because Giant Man just wants to keep eating just to eat, and the zombies fight amongst themselves, and then Giant Man teleports their, or, like, one of the humans left teleports all the remaining zombies off to a different universe. See, there's just, like, there's huge potential if these were, like, because that again, the thing is like, it's um, it would just be really interesting to see these organized in a way where they form like a truly knit together cohesive work that's divided into these different like stories and books. I mean, um, each focusing on like different James. things. No, I know, but I mean, like again, like like if it was there one are, book. Yeah, there and again. Like, like you know the, the bible is like fucking 1500 I mean, pages long i would put it out there that like if any group could put out a bible like that i'd honestly say dc would be the one with their heroes yeah reason being is marvel has had a continuous continuity since its inception they've had alternate realities and like spin-off timelines and stuff but their main core story timeline has been going on since this goddamn 60s of like 
Yes, and they have like what they call a shifting timeline. And they, mm-hmm. they classify this in Universe 2 as like, there are specific points in time that happen and kind of shift along with everything. Which is why it started, like, Punisher was originally a World War II veteran, and then he was a Vietnam veteran, and then he was an Afghanistan veteran. Like, they just keep shifting and updating to maintain the modern modern aspect, but it's mm-hmm. all been one timeline. So, like, Gwen Stacy died, and they really did go to Battle World for the first Secret Wars, and Spider-Man got the symbiote suit. And it's the same symbiote suit that became Venom. And it's the same Spider-Man throughout all of it. It's the same Punisher throughout all of it. It's the same Captain America throughout all of it. Every single main book story that hasn't been an alternate reality has been the same character since the 60s. Whereas DC has rebooted and updated so many fucking times it's a pain in the ass. Because they had their comics... And then they had, then they had Crisis on, they had Flashpoint, I think, no, god, what the fuck was it? It was like DC's timeline, and then Crisis on Infinite Earths reset their continuity. And then Flashpoint reset their continuity, and then Final Crisis reset their continuity, and then New 52 reset their continuity, and then 5G reset their continuity, and now they're back to a new continuity. They've had like five or six co- like canon continuity changes in the entire time Marvel's existed. The only time Marvel has fucked with its canon is back in 2015, they had Secret Wars. Where literally the multiverse was destroyed and uh, reality was prevented from collapsing entirely by Doctor Doom. And the first reality to be restored was the main Marvel Universe. So, like, their continuity was quote-unquote destroyed, but in reality, no, it wasn't. That almost makes it perfect, though, for having, because then it does truly have a through line of events that will always, like, eternally set events that lead from this beginning to the end that you talked about. I would counter it's harder because you have these through line of these events and these events are consistent. So when you're talking about making a Bible that is our origin, middle, and a future, you have to take into account the entire goddamn Marvel continuity of the last 80 years, 100 years. Um, Let me check. I actually have the Marvel number 1000 right here. Which is 80 years, one universe. Compare that to DC, where because it's been like ten, five or ten years since the reboot, they could tell that Bible story of, okay, here's our DC Universe history. Here's a history of DC Universe. We're starting with Superman crashing into Kansas and go from there. Or start from whatever hero point you want to start with and they go from there and they can set up that through line and actually tell this as one condensed story much more easily. Because they do more of the shifting continuities and shifting concepts and those sorts of things. Like, I agree. So I, I agree, like, the 
it would be a better book. Like DCs would have the possibility to be a better book, but I think like with Marvel, because it presents the greater challenge, it would be closer to being what a Bible actually is, which is like, you know, like the people writing it, like, yeah, insanely messy. And like writing that story, it's, um, uh, you know that some parts of it are historic, like as some parts of everything you're reading, like some parts are definitely historic. Some parts are made up. Some parts are artistic. Some parts are like metaphorical. Some parts are spiritual, political, all that stuff. Um, And like those are sifted through tens, hundreds of generations, uh, you know, uh, sometimes like a thousand years to a degree of all these like collected stories that had to be whittled down into, you know, uh, like 1500 pages. Like it's a long book, but all the things that went into it, I mean, you could fill a hundred Bibles probably, you know? Um, and that's what I think like makes Marvel perfect is that it has, yeah, like it has all this complex, difficult stuff, but that means like within it, there is like beyond even just their initial plots. There are like real nodes of like, like just, um, truly formed like thought and story and like humanity that act as these like universal episodes within not only the framework of their cosmography but that can relate out to other people as well that if they were arranged in a way that like sort of organized it not just like from a chronological perspective but a a, but this thematic one that like cemented it to a degree Mm-hmm. would be like a sincere achievement in like granted again we're just talking about comic books here but <laughs> it would genuinely be a sincere achievement in like literature and storytelling and like that would be i would read that book that would be fascinating like if if they were able to do that because and that's what i'm talking about where you might have to change certain things while still keeping true to the subtext of like yeah. the story that is being told you know and I don't know. It would it would be it would be an interesting like effort. And granted, again, the what I'm talking about, like you know, the Bible took hundreds of years and a lot of people to kind of put it all together, and it's incomplete. You know, there are things that deserve to be in there that got chucked out because they didn't fit with the main story. So it's like, or or the politics of the people putting it together. So um, I don't know. I just think like, given the fact that there is this already nearly a century of collected sort of like ideas in it the only the only thing that defeats marvel in rivaling the like the biblical stuff is that like as far as we know there were like people historically who fulfilled some of these roles um whereas like obviously marvel is to a degree like entirely entirely fictional however it is a comic book james it's a fictional story I know, but that doesn't mean that it can't be something. I mean, Marvel had a nine eleven, so. It, yeah, it doesn't mean it can't be something equivalent, just on a in a different way, you know. So I don't know. That's my. I know that this was it wasn't much of a rework rewrite, but that's my sort of uh, charge. That's my little sort of. Uh, <laughs> well. My interest. It was a good discussion. Discussion. Yeah. It's cool. I, I, I learned a lot. It, it seems there is a genuine structure to the to the story. There's a real shape to it that I was unaware of. So 
thank you for being able to have the patience to walk me through it. Oh, absolutely. I love talking about it. Um, thank you for joining this week. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Please don't forget to leave a review if you uh, enjoyed the show. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we have our meme Mondays. Our Twitter is at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, questions you need advice on, or story ideas you'd like to hear us flesh out. And last but not least, be a better buddy. I'm going to be the mayor of New York. I will self-fund my campaign. I think I'm a pretty, you know, I may not be a a New Yorker uh, in, you know, constitution, uh, heritageistically speaking, but. But you live um, there. That's all that matters. I'd like to think in disposition, I I embody the city. So, you know. I don't believe you. I'm going to power wash these streets. We're going to make a lot of big changes. All right. Bouncy houses on every street corner. Got it. Yes. Bounce. Yes. The the subway. No longer will we have these uncomfortable metal cars. Instead, they will be bouncy house cars, like cars made at like run, like big. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Good. Like it's like bouncy house trains. So it's like bouncing through the tunnels. You know, it's fun.